0: at series B if they've never had a marketer before and you're the first marketer you're going to have to be ripping out things that are broken like I joined a company at series I joined Carta at series C and they had a lot of things in place but they didn't have a marketing team at the time so there was a lot of like going back and sort of like rebuilding and so if you're joining a company that's been around for a while and they haven't had marketing know that like it's almost more work than building it from scratch
1: if you're at an early stage or growth stage VC backed startup you're in the right place Season one and two, I brought on startup founders, marketing and sales leaders to explore brand demand, what approaches work well, challenges and category design. For season three, we're going deep into messy creative experiments, marketing innovation, pushing boundaries, how to make creativity achievable at a growing startup, why it's so important today, balancing creativity with results, and how to sell the CEO on the creative stuff. I'll also talk to creatives like artists and writers to understand their approach to creativity and what we can learn and apply to marketing at our startups. See you inside. everyone welcome back to the show i am joined today by someone that i super respect she's also in the startup space and her name is emily kramer she is the co-founder at market one market one helps founders and marketers build and scale their marketing functions through their fund market one capital and their advising and their consulting and content and courses although i think emily Welcome, by the way. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think you're pushing more into the Market One Capital arena, as we had just talked about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Cool. We started on the advising and consulting side, and then we raised a fund. And so funds take up a lot of time. So we're doing that, but continuing to put out content and courses and other things like that to help people who aren't even in our portfolio companies. So that's our focus now.
1: I think this is cool because you're like a CMO investor because you've got the fund Mm-hmm. And it's focused on early stage B2B startups. And, you know, you've got your background, your experience as the first marketing hire, head of marketing four times, right? So you've got that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And to give folks a little background, Emily led and built marketing teams from the ground up at Carta, which is now Series G, at Asana, which IPOed, would at Astro, which was acquired by Slack, and at Ticketfly, which was acquired by Eventbrite. Every time Emily came in, you built it up in a way that it either got acquired or IPO'd or something.
0: Or just picked the right startups. You know, I like to think it's a combination of the two, but a lot of it is around picking the right startups. It's probably and both. lucky. So lots yeah, of factors. Totally. You know? Totally. I'll take teeny tiny bit of credit. You should, <laughs> right?
1: So you've been like the first-ish marketer four times joining companies that are at ten people to three hundred people. And I really like your work in the space. That's why I wanted to bring you on. You sh- you share really great articles that have to do with startups and marketing. Thank you. And I'll share the link to one of them. I really like how to organize your early stage SaaS marketing org. So I'll share that in the show notes. But let's get to the content in the show. I want to ask you, I'm pushing more into creativity. Folks that have listened to earlier episodes know that I want to talk about creativity. What does creative mean to you?
0: This is like the most loaded question. I read it and I was like, That's why so "I like really, it." Sorry, she she gave me this question in advance because it's a hard one. But I didn't overly prepare for my answer. I was thinking about it, and so creative, obviously, in like in the world of startups, can often mean like the design team. But obviously, creativity isn't limited to like the brand and design team. So in marketing specifically, I use this analogy a lot, especially when I'm talking to founders or or non-marketers about marketing. Which is a lot for me. I'm talking to founders a lot and I'm trying to explain marketing. And they're like, product marketing, brand, content marketing, growth marketing, demand gen, what? I can't figure this out. And so I've developed this metaphor of fuel and engine, super simple. But basically, in marketing, you have your fuel, which is your content, your messaging, your design, like all of your sort of creative. And then the engine, which is everything you do on the growth side, all the channels you use, demand gen efforts. Even like marketing ops, I put in like the engine side. So you have fuel and engine. And if you don't have both, it's not going to work out for you as a startup. You need to, or it's not going to work out for you as a startup marketing team, rather. And essentially, what I'll see is people will be like, I wrote all of this, and I promise you, I'll bring this back to your question. I've made all this great content and like, it's not working. And I'm like, well, have you distributed it? And that's like all fuel, no engine. And then if you're on the engine side, all engine, no fuel, it's like, we're sending tons of outbound emails, but no one's not, we're not getting anyone. And it's like, well, what are you putting in those emails? Do you have the fuel? So really, for me, when I was thinking about this, in a lot of ways, the fuel is the creative, it's the value that you're adding, it's the unique things and differentiated things you're doing to stand out. So all of those things are sort of creative. But then I also think that even on the growth side, and even on the what I call the engine side, the demand gen side, you need to be creative as well. And I think the opportunity for creativity that comes in there is really the other thing I see all the time is I see startups besides this like fuel engine mismatch, misalignment breakdown, is I see startups that are doing all of these activities, but they're not focused on impact at all. And so where you need to get creative is on how am I going to drive step change growth? How am I going to drive a big impact? Some of my time needs to be spent on those core things that are already working, but sometimes needs to be spent on tests and big bets. Sometimes a big bet is a test. Sometimes a test is just a test. But whatever, it needs to be spent on tests and big bets. And those big bets in terms of we're going to try this new distribution channel, or we're going to try working with partners on this, or we're going to try this new event series, like all of that requires creativity as well. So I think in all areas of marketing, creativity is applicable and necessary. It's just different types of creativity. And then finally, like you need to balance the fuel in the engine, or in other words, the creative in the engine. So when you ask me that question, it triggers all of these sort of thoughts for me.
1: <laughs> I love how you have the, that makes it really easy to understand. And I love simple. I love easy. The fuel and the engine and the fuel is your content messaging design. Like that's what people kind of think about is where you can impact the creative side, how you differentiate and all that. The engine though is like the channels, demand gen, marketing ops, like everything that you do on the growth side. But even on that side, you could be creative, right? For sure. And that has to tie back into how you're making impact because channels now are changing. The way that we approach different channels and the way that we test and have these big bets, that's where you can get creative too. Exactly. So it's not just on the content messaging design side, it's also on the channel side and I love that. This is a question that's kind of not something that I was thinking about, it, but I'm wondering what you think, because I get this question a lot, is we're an early stage startup. We want to test things. We want to have some big bets. Like, What percentage of our budget should we spend on that? What would you
0: say? Yeah, for me, it's less of a money budget thing. It's more of a time budget thing. And then based on the activities, you can kind of sort through, well, where's the money going to go? But for me, I like to kind of, if you have a sizable team, every quarter sort of say, this quarter, we're going to spend 20% of our collective time on on some big bets, and here's what they are. Or we're going to do one to two things that could cause what, again, I use this like step change growth, just because I think it creates a good visual of just moving up to the next level of growth. Or we're going to, you know, so we're going to spend this amount of time on step change projects, and here's what they're going to be. I also sometimes encourage individuals that I've managed and saying, look, like you're running paid ads, or paid acquisition generally, and you've spent all of last quarter just optimizing things that are already working, we got to get some new things in the mix. And so it's less like, how much are you going to spend? It's more, you need to spend like 20% of your time on this or 30% of your time on this, because we're just growing incrementally. And in startups, you can't just grow incrementally forever. It's not gonna work.
1: I love that, because it's a focus on time. The focus is not so much on the budget, because It's hard to say like how much of your budget. Well, it depends on what you're actually going to do. Some things cost more and other things cost less. It's more about time. Yeah. I really like that approach. Let's talk about your experience at previous companies, because I want to talk about I was also first marketing hire at Series A startups Mm -hmm. a couple of times let's talk about the first marketing hire at a seed startup versus a series A startup versus a series B startup. Okay. What do you think matters? Because I think that there are certain things that matter more versus less in the person that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, the biggest difference between like joining super early stage and joining series B is just like in one situation, you're testing and building everything from scratch. And in the other, you're trying to like both test and scale up at the same time. So it's more about, like, am I scaling things? Am I developing process? Like, what am I doing? At Seed, if you're hired at Seed as a first marketer, and sometimes that happens at Seed, and sometimes it happens at Series A, and usually it happens probably right in between. But at Seed, like, you are building everything out. You are building out all of the marketing ops, all of the tooling, all of the reporting, all of that while balancing doing all the activities that are going to move the needle. So I think a lot of times you put in sort of a basic structure, knowing that later you're going to come in and kind of clean it up. So you're picking the obvious tools and building sort of a starter website on Webflow and know you can kind of go back to it. So I think the scrappiness is really necessary. And also I think you just really need to be a generalist because even hiring a a slew of contractors isn't going to be the game you're playing. Like it might just be you. So I think being a generalist in marketing is even more important than really having that like scrappy mindset. And if you've only worked at big companies, and you come into a seed funded company as the first marketer, you're going to be um, confused, crashing
1: and burning, uh,
0: <laughs> crashing <laughs> and burning. I was trying to be nice, but you might crash and burn. I mean, occasionally it works out, but rarely it doesn't because you expect big budgets and process and things to be figured out for you. And more of a plug and play scenario. And you're not going to get that like you're just you're starting from nothing. So I would say as you move up, up might not be the right word, but as you move to a series A or series B company, they might have a little more money, you might be able to, or they should have a little more money. I don't know what's going on right now. Sometimes they don't have as much money, but you, um, <laughs> the budget seem a little bigger. Sometimes are recently raised seed companies than at series B companies, but it's a weird time. So in, in, in somewhat normal times, you know, then as you get to series A, you can probably hire more contractors and you are starting to think about, I'm going to hire a couple more people. Where do I need to fill in the gaps? Me as a leader, or as the first marketer, if I'm now in that leadership role, I'm going to be doing a lot more delegating. I've got to figure out what, which things I'm going to delegate, which things I'm going to hold on to. And you're starting to think a little bit more about process. And maybe you're scaling some of the things that worked. You're getting rid of the, some, some of the things that didn't. And you're still doing a lot of testing, though. At Series B, if they've never had a marketer before and you're the first marketer, you're going to have to be ripping out things that are broken. Like I joined a company at Series... I joined Carta at Series C. And they had a lot of things in place, but they didn't have a marketing team at the time. So there was a lot of like going back and sort of like rebuilding. And so if you're joining a company that's been around for a while and they haven't had marketing, know that like it's almost more work than building it from scratch because you're, especially on like the marketing automation or the CRM side, like there's going to be some like bad habits. And maybe even like you have a, a website that was like custom coded and now you have to like build a new one and get buy in on all that. So it's almost, When you join an established company that hasn't had marketing, you might think like, oh, I'm getting the best of both worlds because there's going to be more budget and I can hire more people. And in some things that's true, but in some things it's not the best of both worlds because you're like in this gray area of like, I have to like rip and replace things essentially. Yeah. And break bad habits. So that's kind of the difference for me.
1: Hey, it's Anna, the host of Modern Startup Marketing, the show that you're listening to. I'm also the founder of Firminov Marketing Consulting, People call me the Marie Kondo of startup marketing because I help early stage startups clean up their marketing mess with the right strategy and execute with laser focus. So whenever you're ready, there are three ways I can help. One, as a fractional startup CMO, I've had over 25 happy clients and mentees. Two, you can sign up to get my monthly newsletter where I'm sharing playbooks and insights and maybe cracking some jokes. And three, you can sponsor this top 10% podcast and get startup founders, marketers, and VCs hearing about your brand. And now, back to this episode. So I just was on a call today with a seed-funded startup, and I was looking at how many people work there and who's on the team, and they're looking to hire marketing leadership. And they already have four people, which is like, wow. Four
0: people, on marketing.
1: Yeah, I was kind of shocked because I'm used to seeing zero people, and then they talk to me, or one person, right, more Jr., and then they talked to me, but I've never seen four. So <laughs> that was unique. And so the conversation was more around like, you can just not have all those people and have the one that is the generalist with a scrappy mindset. Mm-hmm. And if you need someone that and if they're not the leader that you're looking for, then you need to go and hire the, the marketing leader that kind of takes over everything. Because at the seed stage, you need somebody that is building it all out just like you said Mm -hmm. right you can clean it up later but they really need to create that basic structure and you need a leader in that role not a junior person because they're not going to know what they're supposed to build out so exactly yeah i still have these types of conversations so as the first marketing hire four times what would you say is the one thing you learned because you had these different experiences like for example at carta you came in they were series C, you said, right? C, yeah, Yeah. like
0: late series C, yeah. Yeah,
1: so what's like the one thing you learned and changed about your approach when you're heading out marketing? I guess it also depends on what we just talked about, how much funding they have, like what stage they're at. But is there anything you've learned about coming in as the first marketing hire since you've done it multiple times?
0: Yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot of things. I think one of the things just generally I've learned is that it matters a lot what how the founders view marketing. When you're the first marketer, you're going to be working closely with them and founders and often even other people outside of the founders, other executives. You know, everybody thinks they're a marketer. Everybody has ideas about marketing. So it's really important to understand, like, what does the founder think marketing should do? And usually it's like, you know, there's so many different sub of marketing, but usually they think about like one thing. Like they're like, oh, you should be doing demand gen or, oh, you should be creating a lot of content. Like they think it's something and you're not really going to probably change their mind on what they think. So if the thing that they're most excited about is not the thing that you're most excited about. Like maybe that's not a good fit. You need to make sure that you are going to be able to be successful and that you're set up for success. And there's been varying degrees of that for me. And I often talk to marketers and they're like, I care just about the product. Sorry, my dog is digging in the background. So I'm gonna stop that from happening. There's always dog noise on everything that I do.
1: That's okay. That happens.
0: I know. But that's what it is if you hear it. But anyway, when I talk to marketers a lot about looking for their next role, which is happening a lot right now, you know, I always like I have to really care about the product. And I agree, you can't not care about the product at all. And I've done this too. I mean, my first startup job at a business school with that ticket fly because I love live music and love going to shows. And so I want, was like, oh, yeah, I'll do that. And Asana, I was user of the product. And honestly, a little bit more important is, is set up for success for the marketer. Are the founders going to see a page about what marketing can look like for the company? And are there interesting stories to tell? Product matters. You want it to be a great product, but the space has stopped mannering as much. Like I want to think it's the best product. I want to think if I'm in the target audience, would I choose this? But I'm okay not being in the target audience now. And I'm okay if it has a really interesting story to tell. It's a really great product, but I'm not that excited about the product personally because I'm not in the audience. If those other things are there, like great story, founders are really supportive of marketing, companies really supportive of marketing, you believe there's going to be able to be a good sales and marketing relationship. Those things... I've realized are more important than some of the things I thought when I was younger about picking a
1: startup. Oh, totally. I mean, being in the target audience as like a first marketing hire, I've worked across all these different industries and I actually prefer when I'm not in the target audience because then I have way deeper conversations because I really don't know anything when I start <laughs> Working with clients, and I'm digging and I'm not making assumptions, and it's a learning process. And I think that that's actually a good thing. I've also talked to a CMO that's a guy, and he's at like a baby focused startup. And that's one thing he said too. He's like, I'm so glad I'm not in the target audience because that's where I come in, blank slate, tell me everything. I'm listening, I'm learning from my customers and telling the story that's coming out of there and not just making assumptions and coming up with stuff myself, because we tend to do that.
0: I think this is often a mistake founders make when hiring first marketers as well. They're like, I want someone who's worked with this exact audience before. And I'm like, I disagree. You want someone that's worked with your exact go-to-market motion before? Like, I really think in B2B, a big mistake that I see, or even B2B, B2C, you want someone that's Done the one that you are. Um, but even within B2B, I see people that are going, you know, full self-serve PLG, low contract value, hiring people who have only done top-down sales, high contract value, a few deals a quarter. That is a completely different ballgame. That's almost more different than the self-serve company and the consumer company. So to me, it's like find someone who has business model experience, lead your team. They don't necessarily need audience experience. But they need to recognize and understand the importance of understanding your audience i said understanding like seven times but basically great marketers know that understanding your audience is the foundation of of great marketing and they go out and do that no matter who the audience is and eventually as the team scales it can be helpful to have one or two subject matter experts on the team or as contractors especially to help on the content side but the team lead does not if you're limiting your set to people who have had similar business model experience similar audience experience, you're going to get really small and you might just get someone who's worked as a competitor who's going to come in and try to follow the exact same playbook and you can't beat a competitor with the same playbook you
1: Yeah, love it. Okay, so your previous companies, you've had some great experience. Mm-hmm. Some of the conversations I've been having on the show has to do with the fact that often the most creative ideas are not results oriented. Like when we let go of the need to sell, that's when we can get more creative and have more of that impact that ties back to what we think of marketing, like why we love marketing versus somebody pitching us like to buy a product. So how did you balance creativity with results in your past roles?
0: a tough one. I mean, especially now where, you know, startups are getting more efficient. I I hear this a lot. It's like, and so again, I come back to this, a couple of the concepts I mentioned before, one of which is like saving time to work on new big bets or new creative things that could drive huge results and have impact. So making room for impact, I think helps a lot and allows you to think kind of outside the box. That doesn't necessarily mean those things aren't results oriented. It just means that the results that you're expecting from them are not the same as the results of the core work that you've been optimizing over time. So for those things, I tell people when they're setting goals, I have a million frameworks because I write a newsletter and work with a bunch of startups. So sorry if I'm just like spitting out frameworks, but I tell people when they're setting goals, whether it be OKRs or just regular goals, whatever it is, you can't just set KPI goals. You can't just set goals on this number of leads with this conversion rate. Because what will happen is, is your creative big bet projects won't ever succeed, because it's going to take a while for them to like deliver at the same metrics as your core work. Sometimes they'll come in and just blow things out of the water. But you need to actually set specific goals for these experiments or for these brand projects. So I say you need to have a mix of KPI goals of like big project big bet goals that's very specifically around that thing we're going to do this thing and this is what we're trying to learn it may be measurable based on a different set of metrics it may just be measurable because you learned if you're going to do it or not do it you need to set experiment specific goals like we're going to test these things these aren't mutually exclusive either And then you also need to make time for the foundational work and just like the core things you need to do to like keep things running. So maybe that's like repositioning or something like that. So I think you need to balance those four types of goals. And so often I just see marketing teams operating almost like they're a sales team with metrics goals only. And you're not a sales team. You're not only thinking about short-term growth, you're thinking about long-term growth. And to get there, you're going to need to take some bets and some chances and some swings that might not be up to or deliver the metrics that you're achieving in other areas. So that's kind of how I think about making room for it.
1: I knew I wanted to invite you on here because you concisely say things that I believe, but I don't always say it so succinctly and precisely. When you only look at measuring your marketing in one way, like the KPI goals that that the sales team has, then you're not making those big bets because those big bets yeah. are tests and you're testing and learning and iterating, which looks very different. So one of the big things that I'm pushing into more in the, on this season for the podcast is we need to revisit how we tie creativity to results. We need to revisit how we how startups try to get to that revenue number because all the things you're working on should not be measured in the same way. I think like a very simple example is you can't just go on, social media, put something out like a post, and then it either does well or doesn't. And you're like, well, I measured that and that failed. So that doesn't work. Yeah, right. There's like a different approach you take based on what whatever channel you're working on. And so you can't apply the same measurement approach to all of your revenue generating activities.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I think that starts with great goal setting and like making room for other types of goals and not just having those metrics goals. It kind of drives me. It's one of my pepsies when I'm like, what are your goals, marketing team? And they're like, our goal is to deliver 500 leads. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, like, there's, like maybe you are going to get there, but if you do, you're not going to know why um, or how or any of those things. So you need more than that. So I wrote a post on that too, about goal setting.
1: Oh, what's the post called?
0: I don't know. How to set goals? I know something <laughs> very similar or very, very simple. Okay, like I'll look for it. Something like that. Yeah, the four types of goals. I don't know.
1: I really like how you concisely put together your articles. They tend to be long.
0: Yeah, they're long.
1: Yeah, but they cover the most important things, I think, that truly matter. So I'll share that yeah, too. Yeah,
0: that's my goal with my newsletters. Like I'm doing like, the deep dive, deep reads. And people tend to like this fact that I start, typically start my, writing my newsletters with the diagrams. So my partner who doesn't work in tech is always like, You're, is your job just to make diagrams in Figma? And I'm like, yeah, kind of. Kind of it is. So I start with diagrams and then I put the words around it. It's kind of backwards. It's like the structured thinker, non-writer's way of writing. So maybe it'll work for you if you have a hard time getting started on writing. Make the diagram that's in the hat in your head or that you would draw on a whiteboard. Start there, and the words tend to come for me.
1: I love that. I'm a visual person, so I think that's why I, the content resonates with me too. Emily, thank you so much. Um, We didn't cover everything, but I'm sure I'll have you back on because we're very like-minded people and I love what you're building at Market One. Love the content that you put out. So if anybody wants to find Emily, you can do so on LinkedIn, Emily Kramer, and you can learn more about Market One by going to marketone.co and I will include the link in the show notes. Thank you, Emily, so much.
0: Thank you for having me. This was really fun and it went by really fast.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Furmanoff, or go to my website, firmanovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening.